going on, everybody? This is Attack Zero, Episode 9. Um, as always, I am Carter Noble, your host, welcomed with, welcomed by uh, my wonderful co-host, Carl Wilkin. Carl, what's a good word, man? Uh, had an awesome weekend in Magic. Um, history has been made. Autumn Burchett has won our Mythic Championship number one at Cleveland. I guess that's what we're calling it. It's a really long name. That's all I could really think to find it as is Mythic Championship number one. But congrats to I Autumn. I hate that they're numbered. Like, why why can't it just be, you know, like it, it used to be Pro Tour Cleveland. Why can't it just be Mythic Championship Cleveland? Why is there a random number in there? I don't know. It's, it's so they can order it. Whatever. Anyway, but uh, Whatever. congrats to Autumn. Congrats to Autumn, did absolutely. A, did a wonderful job on Mono Blue. Um, was a master class. Played the mirror twice, if I remember right. Yep. Uh, ended up playing Reduke in the semis, and played um, Julian Berteau in the in the quarters. So had three mono blue tempos in the top eight, and Autumn took the other two out. Um. Uh. Yoshiko Ikawa in second place. No slouch either. He uh, had to go through uh, Luis Scott Vargas on his sweet is it Phoenix deck to get to the finals. Um, and who who else did did he end up playing? He played did he play through, against the um, he played against the um, Michael Bond day on on Simic Nexus. Yeah, he correct? played through Michael Bond on the Simic Nexus list. Which. Uh, did you did you get to watch? I did not get to watch that one. No. Okay, so I got to watch basically everything on Sunday. Um, I left a little bit through, I think game two or game three of the finals. I got to watch all the finals. So. Okay, so you got to watch what I did not. Um, Michael Bonde had a game where he molded to I believe five or six, and, um was able to punish Ikawa because he never had white mana, so he never was able to absorb anything and just, like, go over the top of him. I feel like that I, happened. I love... I love the Simic Nexus deck, and I, I finally put it together on Arena, and I just need to figure out how to sideboard with it, because game ones do not feel close. I feel like that happened to Ikawa a lot this in the in the finals, in the top eight. Because I'm pretty sure that happened against uh, yeah, LSV. There was, a, there was a game against LSV where it happened. There was at least one game against LSV. I know there was a second game where, uh, I think it was game one, where he never had a white source, uh-huh. but he had triple Teferi in hand and had an active, uh, had a searcher Ascanta and was able to eventually uh, find his white source, flip his search, play Teferi, and just take over the game. Because I believe both game one and two he found uh Cry of the Carnarium against against LSV and just was able to Yeah, Cry of the Carnarium immediately was punish him from LSV. that. He had he had to find. Yeah. Really, um, really good against the Phoenix deck. Yeah. And I mean it it seems really good against like the Mono Blue Tempo deck too. Actually, looking at it now. Uh, the only deck I really oh, yeah. don't want Cry against is the Simic Nexus deck. Uh, 
otherwise, otherwise, Cry seemed really good uh, as as your board wipe in exactly. the rest of you know the uh, other six matchups you could have played. Looking down the list here, Reduke was fourth, LSP was third, respectively. Um, uh, Mono, um, Reduke ended up playing Mono Blue Tempo as well. I think he made a tweet on uh, Saturday that. For the first time ever, he registered n- no non-blue cards in any format, including draft. Yeah. <laughs> he drafted Azorius both times and uh, did not register a non-blue card. Which is insane. That's ridiculous. Um, Marcio Cavallo uh, on Azorius aggro in the bottom half of the top eight there along with Alex Mahajan I think that's how you pronounce his last name who was basically playing mono uh, mono red with four center vines and three collision colossus in the board so because of because of seven cards they classify it as gruel which I don't agree with no but uh, wizards did that as well on on um, coverage as well, they classified it as gruel when it is. I, I'm pretty sure the lists uh, that we're looking at were just pulled straight from Wizards postings and then just posted. I'm pretty sure they are. Viewing. I'm pretty sure uh, they're finishing out the top eight was Julian Bertel on the mono blue and then Michael Bond on the Simic Nexus list. Uh, congrats to all of them for making top eight and congrats to Autumn for taking first overall. Uh, going through the rest of the decks that have like seven plus wins in the constructed category, I see a lot of Esper, a lot of Mono Blue, and a lot of Sultai. Um, Sultai was the most registered deck on day one. Um, I actually don't have the day two metagame breakdown. I I'm I'm sure it got published somewhere, but I don't have it readily available to me. Um, looking at the rest of this, there's a lot of, a lot of Esper control, like you mentioned. Um, there's, so just going through, there's a Gruel mid-range deck here by Timothy Wu. Uh, three Dire Fleet Daredevil, four Growth Chamber Guardian, three Crawl Harpooner, four Goblin Chain Whirler, four Spellbreaker, four Beautiful Chickens, three Spell, uh, three Hellkites, uh, a bunch of removal spells. This deck looks really sweet too. Has a Karn, two Vivians in the board. Yeah. I need to I need to register this deck once in a while. This looks sweet. Uh looking through some of the other stuff. Here's a sweet Mardu aggro deck at eight and two. Tajik, Judith. Oh boy. I can get behind this. Yeah, Ryan Cubit. I like this a lot. Is this the the Mardu deck you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the Mardu Hero Precinct deck. I think I think I've talked to you about this a lot. I'm just curving Hero into Judith into uh, heroic reinforcements and just crushing your opponent. I like the Dajik in here. That's kind of. I haven't done the math of how much damage that is, but you can basically say it's a billion. Yeah. Tajik is really sweet, uh, especially when people are registering, you know, uh, shock and lava coil as their removal spells. Tajik seems really sweet. Yeah. 
There's a Temer reclamation by Pascal. Uh, I love the one Angrath main board too. Yep, brought Temer reclamation in. Pascal Maynard. Yeah. Uh, this uh, this is another deck that I've uh, I haven't put any time on, but like I've seen a lot of people talking about it on Twitter over the last yeah. couple weeks. So I'm. I'm pretty sure I have everything for this on Arena. Deck by Seth so I might have to register this and, seven and, and have some feedback for so you. about middle of a pack on day two, probably. Um, he's got one car and three Doom Whisperer. Plays full place. That's a Thief of Sandy and Hostage Taker. And a lot of just spot removal and card draw. He's only on one cry in the main and one in the sideboard. Which I feel like going forward you'll probably be playing more of those. Bunch of Azorius aggro at seven wins as well. Um, couple Demir mid-range decks here. We have one from Seth Manfield at seven wins. Yeah, that's the one I was just talking about. I knew that. <laughs> I was obviously listening and not typing up decks I want to try. Of course. <laughs> this deck looks really sweet. Um... If we go, I really, I really like the addition of fungal infestation main board. Yeah, uh, it's really good against soul type because you can pick off the explorer creatures with the trigger on the deck. It's also like okay against like mono red and seemingly really good against mono blue. Mm -hmm. I have a feeling this deck probably has a decent like soul type and mono blue matchup. Probably. If we go, I would be. I'm gonna put this one down for decks to play too. <laughs> so going by the numbers thankfully uh, uh, Saffron Olive's already done the numbers up for us on MTG Goldfish here um, his numbers aren't accurate there's still numbers inaccurate numbers I, I, so I got day one players um, and I got day two players that's that's all I'm looking for okay <laughs> go on with your go on with your math <laughs> so these, are, these are the like most converted decks into day two or these are just what stand what standard recognizes as the big five to begin with i just was looking at number of players in day two with this deck okay number of players in day two with this deck i was just looking to see like because I, I don't know i didn't get to watch any of day one so i have no idea like what was registered and what people were talking about yeah i i did not get to watch uh friday or saturday but azorius aggro had a lot of players go from day one to day two Only 20 didn't make it according to the numbers here. That's not bad. What is this? Uh, so looking at the um, the the numbers article from Saffron Olive, uh, Frank Carson has a Jund midrange deck. And this deck just looks all over the place. It looks like a... Like, like a Jund monsters deck. But, like, it just... I don't agree with the the creatures he's playing. We have three Gutter Bones, four Pelt Collector, four Growth Chamber Guardian, two Crawl Harpooner, three Mix, uh, Rixmati Reveler, four Goblin Chain Whirler, four Gruul Spellbreaker, four Rekindling Phoenix. Two Lightning Strike, one Collision Colossus, one, three stat, Status Statue, one Find Finality, 25 lands. 
I don't understand the gutter bones or the pelt collectors in this deck. Uh, pelt collector can become a four four at most with if everything like it's going up the chain. If everything die if everything dies and pelt collector is the only thing left around, it can be a four four. But only if you have specifically Rekindling Phoenix to grow it? Or uh, Growth Cheaper Guardian when it dies, if it's adapted. You're right, you're right. Um, I feel like this is just really... mainly using abusing Goblin Chain Whirler and Status Statue as a, just like, wipe my opponent's board. Here's these mediocre 3s and 2s that are just going to But like, play good 3s and 2s. Like, I mean, Growth Chamber like... Guardian's one of the best like dudes you could play at two mana right now. I could I could easily cut these seven one drops and be happy. I I want some more lava coil I want these lava coils main board. Like I want some Angrass, I want some Vivian. Why are we playing like, Lava Coil though if we're just gonna go Goblin Chain Whirler status statue wipe their board? Why are we playing that main if we're just gonna wipe their board? Because sometimes your opponent has a Judith. Or uh, you need to be able to kill, like, you, you're not always going to have your board wipe, right? You're not yeah. always going to have your but your two-card combo board wipe. When you're playing, you don't really have to worry about that all the time, though, because if they're just playing little 1-1s, one you just stick your Chain Whirler to begin with, and it's fine. Against the decks, like, where it's Judith and all that. Because usually the Judith is a lot of X-1s. Or something like like Midnight Reaper, which is actually a card I'm surprised hasn't picked up more in popularity. Um, I've always been a big fan of of uh, Midnight Reaper. A lot of Midnight Reaper's problems is like the burn decks will just like they put so much pressure on you early, so I can't yeah. afford to play that. I understand. Um, so also looking here, have we talked about Raph Levy's Merfolk deck yet? No, we haven't. So we have four Benthic Biomancer, uh, four Jade Bearer, four Kumina Speaker, four Deep Root Elite, four Merfolk Mistbinder, two Merfolk Trickster, four Silver Girl Adept, four Kumina Tyrant of Oroska. Four seems like a lot, but like that card is a beating. Like it wants to play this card on three, so having four. Yeah, I I understand that. That is that's a lot. And you could always loot extras with the biomancer. Uh, four incubation incongruity, four deeper waters, twenty-two lands. Yep, seems like this deck looks hot. It reminds me almost like it's almost card for card the um. The base Merfolk deck you get when you like are playing Arena and it's just giving you decks, like and it just fills out the numbers. Yeah, and all he did, all he did was just go through and he just filled in the numbers where he needed to. So this is a deck that at the beginning of the season I had worked on a little bit, um, and I actually debated playing in in Indianapolis, and uh, the original build I was playing was splashing for find finality to like have you uh, mainly for find as a another way to like grind extra so you can like continue to beat up the mid-range decks of the format uh and also be able to like survive uh Kaya's wrath out of esper um but like the black splash never really impressed me and so i kind of just set it away and hasn't really worked on it since but like cards in that deck that really impressed me were like deep root waters alongside uh deep root elite and then Benthic Biomancer alongside Deep Root Elite. Like, that, those two together 
basically says you're never not going to have a spell to play every turn. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, if you involve, like, Kumina as well to be able to, like, grow your team even more if need be, or to, like, draw extra cards, this deck can grind really, really well. It's, this deck's really, really sweet, and it's fairly cheap. Like, I mean, looking at moto prices, is like, $14, but, like, if, if you're playing Arena, why, why do you care about moto prices, right? Exactly. Um, I wish I had... Uh, so, Raph ended up going 8-2 and two with this deck. Um, he was 6-1 and one against Sultai, I believe is what I read on Twitter. Interesting. So, like, if, if you want a deck that beats up the, like, Sultai deck, here you go. Um, looking at the sideboard, I'm super pleased. I've, I've been super pleased with Tempest Caller. Uh, Tempest Caller's a really sweet one. Uh, like I play pod, so I just get to go. Here's this tempest caller, swing out, kill you. They get to pretty much do the same thing, except they just get to cast it. Which so uh, tempest caller is basically sleep, but it also has all your merfolk synergies. Granted, granted, it doesn't freeze them for an additional turn like sleep does. But if you're playing your tempest caller, you're you're trying to attack for lethal. You're trying to push lethal. Um, I really like the four crawl harpooners in the board as well. Like as a as a way to deal with something like Niv Mizzet or the Drake's decks. Like, yep, here's my here's my two mana removal spell for your dude. This deck seems really sweet. I'm I'm putting this on my list of things to play too. You're gonna have too many things to play. I don't have a problem with that. Let's see here. Notably lacking is it is it Drake's is like non-existent. Yeah, outside of LSV, which was on the Phoenix deck, um, is it Drake's was miserable at MC Cleveland after starting day one with thirty players, only four ended up with a winning record. On the other hand, three of the seven is it Phoenix players managed to post a winning record and constructed. Moving forward, if you want to play Is It in Standard, you should probably have Arclight Phoenix in your deck. Interesting. Um, so, playing last season, I was never impressed with the Phoenix builds of of uh, Is It, whereas I really like the Drake's build with like Niv Mizzet instead of instead of uh, Arclight Phoenix. So it's interesting to see that you know th the meta shifts here and there, and now as a result we have. Um, that Arclight Phoenix is the better card in that spot. So I, I'm not really sure what would make me want Arclight Phoenix over, over Niv Mizzet, but because like looking at these matchups, like if I can land a Niv Mizzet against Mono Blue, I feel like I can't lose. Um, against Esper, like. It at least draws me a card. Simic, I I don't know if Simic Nexus can actually win if I have a Niv Mizzet out. Their plan is probably to mill me out with my Niv Mizzet. Probably, and hope they don't die. In the um, so Sultai has a couple different answers to it. They have uh, Hostage Taker, which if you've never had Hostage Taker take your Niv Mizzet, 
you're a lucky person. Probably feels Let me terrible. tell you, it is it is the worst feeling in the world. <laughs> uh, they also have Vivian to, to to kill it without triggering it. Um, some builds are still playing Ravenous Chupacabra, which is another way of dealing with it. So there's there's a lot of ways out of Sultai that are uh, are able to deal with it consistently, and. That's probably, like, the one place I'd rather have Phoenix, but I don't know. I, I think it's worth trying both, and honestly, I, I'm not impressed with the Is It decks at all, so that's not something I've played a lot of here lately. Um, Looking at card, like, just card numbers in general, like, number played, uh, in the top eight, backwards from what we've been seeing, like, every other standard tournament the last couple weeks, uh, Hydroid Crisis only has... Three copies in the top eight. Correct, out of uh, Michael Bondi. Yeah, and then, like, if you go top sixteen, it doesn't get like it goes up to like I think it's ten, because it's three from the other Simic Nexus deck and then four from the Sultai deck. Yeah. If you go to the top sixteen, that's mm-hmm. that's that's still not a lot. There was a hundred and eighty-two, like overall, but. Only sixteen copies made in the top. Only ten, only ten copies made in the top sixteen, which is real backwards from what we've been we've been used to seeing. Yeah, with Hydroid Crisis being you know the best creature in standard. Which I mean, looking at like the the most winning decks, you know, of the six plus win standard decks, Hydroid Crisis is the most played creature. Um, by about. Just over 2%, with Hostage Taker being number 2. Thief of Sandy's not, not terribly far behind it. It's less than 10% behind it, but still... I need to pick up Hostage Takers. Those are fairly cheap right now, and I think that's... I remember when they first printed it, and it was everywhere, and now it, like I watched it go up to like $15, and then went back down. And... Oh, yeah. Man, that was a that was a, what a time. that was a while ago, man. Yeah, they 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 peaked at uh almost twenty. Yep. And they have been on the decline since. This is actually the first time they've uh, risen in price in quite a while. You can. So I, I definitely think it's uh worth picking those up. So if you here's your MTG finance tip of the week: buy out hostage takers. Heck yeah. Um, Excuse me, I'm going to get on TCG player real quick. <laughs> Keep going. Looking through top <laughs> spells at the at the Mythic Championship, you can tell that the at all the decks are base blue. Like yeah. almost three hundred copies of Negate were registered. Uh, That's a lot. Two hundred and eighty four. Uh, Which is almost forty percent more than the second card. Let's. See, I'm gonna go through here and count non blue decks for a second, and this is probably gonna be depressing. So, uh, looking at the the top ten cards from the weekend, uh, out of the the six plus win decks, we have number one at negate, number two at opt, number three at hydroid crisis, uh, duress at four, cast down, chemist's insight, uh, hostage sticker at seven, thief of sanity at eight, crawl harpooner, and Vraska's contempt rounding out the top ten. Um, if we look down at spells, uh, Vraska's contempt comes in at six. Seven is Search for Ascanta, Disdainful Stroke, 
Entrancing Melody at 9, which is another card that I really think needs to pick up in popularity. Um, which, like, obviously the Mono Blue has been playing it out of their board, and I think that's really great. But I think non-Mono Blue decks can play this card as well. Um, something like the Gates deck, which is already playing Mass Manipulation, could easily play Entrancing Melody as well. And it, it's a card I've definitely been impressed with in my testing. And just, it's a card that, if it resolves, is usually just, like, backbreaking for your opponent. Um, if you can resolve it against something like Drake's, like, cool, now I have this, you know, 8-4 or whatever. And if you can ever manage to steal something like a Tempest Gen away from Mono Blue, like, depending on what you're playing, it's either, like, an 8-4 or it's going to be, like, a 2-4 that's just on permanent blocking duty against Mono White, uh, Mono Blue. Uh, there are 16 non-blue decks. Out of the the 6 plus 1 decks? Yeah. That is ridiculous. Uh, side note here. You should probably be playing blue if you're going to play standard at all. <laughs> From That's what this number tells us. You should be playing blue. Blue is really good right now. So how do we beat up on the blue decks? Uh, we don't. Just give in? You just play is that, blue. Is that the... You just play blue and just play mirrors. That's all you do. Alright, I'm going to register Nexus of Fate for the next three months. How about it? You're right, it's probably going to be closer to six. <laughs> um, but yeah. That's... It's surprising, and this is probably why I'm starting to get bored of the standard format. I'm not... Oh, dude, I'm, I'm nowhere near that. I'm not a fan of a bunch of just control decks and blue counter spells going back and forth. I want people to be able to just play their spells and resolve their spells and have a good time. What? Nah, man. The the control mirror is, like, the best part. I... I just want to play super grindy games all day, every day. You can play that in Judd. Nah, yeah. I'll be fine. Play that in non-blue I wanna... formats. I mean, you can, but not like this, man. And, like... You know, I've I've experimented. Um, Kyle Kyle ended up playing uh, Jund this past weekend, and like it was really sweet. Um, played Jund Walkers, and he got to beat up on on Esper, I believe. I believe he he ended up beating Esper. Uh, but like the combination of Angrath with Vivian Reed and and uh, Big Vraska is just sweet. Like that that deck was really cool. Uh, I want to work on a Tefiri Angrath deck. And, like, I know that's probably going to be, like, the limitation of mana and standard, but, man, does that sound sweet. Yeah. Um, another big thing I noticed was just, like, the amount of no of mono red just not present at all in the 6 plus 1 Oh, column, yeah. Which, that goes oh, yeah. into Esper Control and Sultai Midrange just having very good matchups against the mono red decks now because of Azorb and Wild Growth Walker just gaining them so much life. But, um, went from Mono Red being the deck to beat in the last couple standards to here's not even showing up. Mono, yeah. Mono Blue's now the one to beat because Mono Blue just gets to play this tempo game with control magic. Which, I'm not gonna lie, is really sweet. I've played Mono Blue on stream on Arena and it's fun. It's just not my cup of tea. I'm, I just get kind of, and that's there. understandable. Like, it, you don't have to... Like, it, I enjoy playing the deck for about 
five or six games, and then I'm like, all right, I, I want to play something else now. Like, I'm currently trying to, like, use Vanifer in Standard, and I can't even play Vanifer in Standard because I just lose to Esper Control and Sultai, and then I get a good matchup, and then I just lose all my points again to Esper Control and Sultai that everyone's playing. It's so how do we improve your set your your matchups there then? Uh, what, what's the missing piece? There is no missing pieces. It's they have really good removal and really good control spells. Hmm. Wizards well, has tried. printed it to the point where creature decks aren't that great unless you're really fast. You can't really play these creature mid range decks and expect to completely win out against everything or have like actual games against everything especially since like there's like your opponent can go turn two cast down into cry of the canarium into kaya's wrath into whatever five drop they want and you have no board left because you tried to play two drop into three drop into four drop it is what it is um moving past MC Cleveland. I don't think there's there there was a GP at MC Cleveland, wasn't there? It was limited. That's right. Yeah. Um Kyle and I were both off Friday and Saturday. Uh-huh. And we debated driving to Cleveland so we could play the GP. Um and then like depending on what happened, driving back Sunday so Kyle could go back to work. <laughs> Uh, when when we found out it was limited, we were like, well, maybe maybe we can go uh, just go play side events on on Friday and Saturday, and then we saw it was a you know eleven hour drive, and we we're like, well, maybe maybe we'll just stay home. <laughs> <laughs> maybe changed my mind. So it was, uh, you know, we we debated going because like. You know, I would have liked to see the Pro Tour in person. Like, that's, that's, nice. that's not something I've done yet. and um, It's on my bucket list of things I would like to see at some point. So I know I read on Twitter that there was a lot of people who came to play the GP and then stayed for Sunday to go watch the Top 8 of the Pro Tour. They just, like, just wanted to go watch the Top 8, and they just went back and forth oh, yeah. and all that, going back and forth between the halls, in between matches and stuff like that. So that was kind of a nice thing. They probably could do that more often where they have a GP during their mythic championships that way it's a full weekend of magic and not just like here's a little that's gonna be the um it's gonna be the running thing for a while um for the foreseeable future that's how it's going to be yeah um all all paper mythic championships are going to be held at a magic fest which will also have an accompanying uh grand prix the one thing I wasn't impressed with this weekend was their just overall coverage. It just felt like any other Magic event. Which, them not covering GPs, you'd think they'd have more of a budget to, like, make better, do better on the coverage of the games they're going to show you. And it just felt like every any other Magic event that I've ever watched. Which was kind of disappointing. And you know, like, and that's, that's fine. Like, I, I enjoy watching... Um, the coverage and everything for the Pro Tours because it feels unique to the Pro Tour compared to, like, the, the Grand Prix coverage, which is just like, yeah, here's our, our tournament for the weekend. Whereas, like, the Pro Tour is like, here is the best of the best. We're going to showcase all these people that you already know who they are. So, like, you can follow them. Like, like Reed Duke. 
you know, uh, LSV. Like these are these are people who people know. Um, like Raph Levy going eight and two with his deck that no one else has registered. You know, like these are stories that people can follow and people um, can associate with and be like, well, you know, this was really cool. I can get behind this. We should do that. No, 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 no. You're not understanding what I'm saying. I think you got the wrong idea here. I'm saying that it, it no, felt I, like I understand. Other like it felt like yeah, every other like, it just it just like they cut back on all their other funding for all their other events that they usually show. I was expecting them. Oh, here's extra stuff we can give for the pro tour. Oh, I did not. And, I expected them to go. And we got nothing. You know, so your your coverage uh, for your Grand Prix is now funded into your prize fund, which is why we can say we have a $10 million prize fund. Oh, that's not even for this. Oh, I know. <laughs> but that's why uh, Channel Fireball is now in charge of coverage for their own events because Wizards is like, well, we can't afford it, evidently. <laughs> can't afford a lot of stuff, evidently. Which I, it is what it is. I'm really glad that Channel Fireball is like picked up where Wizards is let down, because I'm I'm sure they got a a lot of backlash of, hey, you're running these events, why isn't there coverage? And they just had to point at Wizards and say, well, they don't have it, so we we didn't bring it. Well, yeah. So it's like it, I'm I sure feel like they, Wizards just dropped the ball on them because they signed a contract oh, for yeah. so many years, and then Wizards like, we'll do this, this, and this, and then they just cut loose like halfway through it. Yeah, so I'm I'm really glad that Channel Fireball basically went, hey, we're tired of being yelled at by everyone else. Fix this. Yeah. And I have a feeling Wizards basically went, eh, you can fix it. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's kind of what it feels like, if you want my honest opinion. Yeah. What events... So what else What else we got on the docket today, man? We've got a couple tournaments coming up here in the next couple weeks. I know I'm prepping for regionals right now, which is March 9th. Yep. Um, I know there's SCG... Oh, man, that is, that is next weekend. Yeah. I did not realize that. Yep, that's next weekend. Um, are you... Ironically, I'm, I am going to be in Columbia that weekend, just not to play Magic. Well, you're no fun. <laughs> I might swing by. Okay. It's not at the normal spot anymore. Oh, I forgot about that. So, for those who live in the Missouri area who are planning to travel to Columbia for regionals, they did not get their venue in time. So, it's actually at a new venue. I think it's just down the road from Majorlings itself this time. According to what Matt uh, has said. Is it the Kemper Arena or do you know? I don't know exactly. I wasn't able to hear what he was saying because I was seated on the other side of the room. But I know he said they couldn't get their normal location. So this well, this year it's I'm sure. Spot. I'm sure Star City has it up. So let's go look. Um, well, he's doing that. I know SCG Syracuse is this coming weekend. Um, it's Legacy Open, which... Those are always fun really, to watch. I'm really excited for some uh, legacy coverage. We don't get very much, many of them, so it's always like wide open on what people will bring. Usually, it comes down to skill based matchups. Um, what deck do you think is going to win it? Just so personally, I would like to see. I don't know, man. Probably some fair blue deck. Probably some Delver deck's probably going to win it. Um, I would be. 
I would like to see someone like Noah Walker come in and be like, well, we don't have Deathrite Shaman anymore, but here's here's really what uh, the Grixis Dover decks look like now. So I I'm going to say uh, we're going to have at least at least one Delver deck in the top eight. Oh yeah. I would like to see I would like to see a twelve post deck just because I really I really like seeing big stupid colorless cards cast. Um. I'm I'm a big fan of death and taxes, as people know. Uh, just gonna channel my inner Craig Wesco for a while. There'll be at least four copies of Dark Depths in the top eight somewhere, probably. Probably, it just depends on are are we talking lands? Are we talking turbo depths? Or are we talking slow depths? Or are we talking something like Maverick that also just plays Night of the Reliquary to tutor up your pieces for for Dark Depths? Because I've done that, and that is sweet. Um, I think but like, Eldrazi um, Stompy. I'm, I'm leaning towards Eldrazi Stompy or Blue Black Shadow just coming out and winning it all. So I have, uh, MTGO had, um, a legacy tournament over, this was published today, the Legacy Challenge Top 8? Yeah. Um, right. and in it they have... Uh, what is this? This is Sneak and Show. They have Grixis Delver. We have Eldrazi. Uh, we have 12 post Eldrazi with a Karn Liberated and Ugin. This looks sweet. I want to I wanna get behind this. Four Chalice of the Void, four Grim Monolith. This deck is worth more than my yearly salary, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we're only on one cities. I, I revoke my previous statement. I could probably afford this deck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, down here in fourth place we have this sweet buried alive Arclight Phoenix. Hey, it's back. <laughs> yeah, this deck is sweet, man. This deck is super cool. I always I'm a big fan of this deck. I hope this deck does good this weekend. I think we'll see it at least a couple times this weekend. Um it may not get. It, it may not be in the top eight anymore because it's kind of been running around online. That from what I've watched of the challenge through a Caleb Schur stream, um, mm-hmm. it was running around and people were prepared for it and whatnot. But um, it could do well. It's not. It's not the new kid on the block anymore. It's. It's been what almost a month and a half since the team opened. Where they got spoiled, where they got shown shown mm-hmm. off. So yeah, it's not it's in legacy terms, it's still new, but they've had enough time that they're kind of prepared for it. So um, fifth place we have blue white stone blade. Nothing, nothing out of the ordinary here. Um, two Gideon out of the board. I like it. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Gideon Ally as Indicarta. To attack the control decks. Um, we have... Sixth place, we have Delver. We have Grixis Delver playing Dark Confidant. Neat. The only thing that really punishes us for playing Dark Confidant is one Gurmag Angler. This is kind of cool. Neat. Playing four Stifle. I don't think I've ever seen Grixis Delver register four Stifle. Get him. 
Just, just there that to is, get him. That is going deep, and I like it. <laughs> um. Sixth place just looks like Esper Stoneblade with some Inquisition, Thoughtseize, and Baleful Strix in here. Uh, and then eighth place, we have Miracles with Jason Tafiri. Oh, no, this is not Miracles. This is Blue-Eyed Stoneblade playing a Tafiri. I like it. I like that a lot. I can get behind this. I'm all right. I I might have to sleep this up. I might have to get a hold of somebody and and borrow some tundras and some scalding tarns for for uh, Cincy. I thought you said Kyle's playing really Legacy. Sweet. Well, well, hold on, hold on. I might be able to convince him otherwise. <laughs> We're not gonna know who's playing what until like the day of. Don't give us that much credit. <laughs> we might we might decide round three that I want to play Legacy instead. <laughs> well, it would be too late then. You're kind of stuck. Well, I'm going to complain then. Okay. okay. Uh, tenth place, we have the uh, Yuriko Esper. Is this Esper? No, this is just uh, Blue Black Ninjas. Heck yeah. That deck is hot. Oh, it's Grixis. That deck is hot. It's Grixis Ninjas for Colgan's Command and Lightning Bolts. Yeah, that deck's sweet. I love it. We're playing Spellseeker. Yep. Battle Bond Special Spellseeker. That is sweet. I can... I love this deck. I love Legacy. Legacy is just a blast. You can play literally anything. <laughs> um, I, one of the matches I watched in the... Um, in the challenge... Someone registered a Wilderness Reclamation deck. Of course they did, man. I was just like, this was not expected. Okay. <laughs> it, it didn't do very well because it was playing against Storm, but... <laughs> well... <laughs> what, do you, what do you think of the, uh, the Mono Red Prison decks in Legacy? I love them. I think they're, really? I think they're great. I have never really been a big fan of them. And I've I've died to them a lot, but I have never really been impressed with them. I also like prison decks, so... Well, I guess I, I, I probably should have been prepared for that answer. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, four Blood Moon, four Magus of the Moon. Uh, the, the newest addition being four Legion War Boss to go alongside your four Ravel Masters. Yep. Extra uh, copies of Ravel Ravel. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've been ran over by it a lot, but it's uh it's it's a cool deck. I'm not I'm not against registering it, but like it's not really my playstyle. Um So you're wanting What are you wanting to win? I expect think? I expect some Delver deck to end up winning. Just because I think Delver's just like one Delver's the like pinnacle fair blue card in Legacy, and like it is, it is able to punish people who stumble. Uh, it's able to have a decent game against like the control decks, and it, it's just a, a card that has like been very good for very very long time at this point. So. Most likely, I'm expecting some Delver deck to, to do really well this weekend. 
But I really want, you know, my Stoneforge Mystics to go up. So if, like, some Stoneforge deck wants to win, I'm not going to complain. More importantly, if, you know, it does happen, everyone's going to come off their copies of Stoneforge Mystic, which means I can pick up the, my, my other foils. So for me, I want, I want that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaning towards just Eldrazi Stompy. Not necessarily the 12-post okay. version, but the Eldrazi Stompy decks. Just going to run out all these aggro- aggressive cards and just run people over. I I really hope they that someone does well with the, the Ninjas deck. Because I think Yuriko is really sweet. And I never expected this card to be played in Legacy. Yeah, the card is really good. Um... And then there's the, the Arclight Phoenix deck. I, I, I really want to do well as yeah, well. Yeah, that's the other one I've, I'm rooting for. So, um, so yeah, I, it, it's going to be an interesting weekend. Um, unfortunately, I have to work Saturday, but it's like bright and early Saturday, so hopefully I can get off in time to watch a little bit of the coverage. Yeah. So, um, what, are you, what are you prepping for in Modern? I know you were talking about regionals a little bit earlier. Where are you, where so you at in life? we've got, I think, like, four different variations of pod ready to go uh i've got a couple cards coming in the mail here by the end of the week and i should have my third or or fourth or whichever iteration ready to rock and roll by friday okay so walk us through it what's what's different in everything so the last two times i've played it they've been kind of this toolboxy here's this cord or here's this eldritch evolution go fetch this lock piece and hope it sticks and hope it wins. Uh, I've got, I think I'm three and four overall playing th- both those types of lists, the toolboxy lists. Uh, new list is more green white value town, splashing for Kiki and Vanifer and some cool sideboard stuff. Uh, so we're on Voice of Resurgence, we're on Night of the Reliquary, we're on like Night of Autumn and um, Renegade Rallier. Which you could almost call it Night Tribal, almost. You got enough knights in there to do that with. Um, there's also Sleep tire- up some history of Benalias. <laughs> there's, there's also a couple of tireless trackers in the main and one on the sideboard for the for just extra just three twos. Uh, we're playing Eldritch Evolution to kind of just fetch Vanifer if we need it or Kiki Jiki if we need or it. Or whatever. Yeah, whatever, whatever missing piece you're missing. And occasionally you just want, like, Tireless Tracker on turn two or whatever. Yeah. Uh, we can turn our one-drops into Tracker, or we can turn our one-drop into Knight. So it's kind of just, like, some value stuff there. Um, side- now, I know, I know we were talking about playing Magus of the Moat. Have you tested it yet? I brought it in last week a couple times, and I didn't really get to use it. Um, one of my games against Rix's Death Shadow... I just got stuck on two lands, and I couldn't find another land. Man, I, I can't imagine, like, that card not being good in that matchup. I mean, it does just granted, kind of bolt. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, granted, they have, like, you know, 27 removal spells that deal with it or whatever, but... That's but one like, man, less for Vanifer. True. That's and kind like, of the if idea. It, if it sticks, like, now you just get to, like, sit up, you know, set up and do your thing to eventually... Try to take over the game. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, I've picked up Gaddick Teague, Huntmaster of the Fells, Fiery Justice for my sideboard. Um, mainly because I expect Grixis Death Shadow to be ridden around. 
at regionals for sure. That seems to be the most popular deck right now, especially for the Columbia meta. Most of our mm-hmm. Abzan players have swapped over to Death Shadow. Mm-hmm. So that's just kind of what they do. So I feel like bringing Fiery Justice would be good. Gaddic Teague is... I, I guess Gaddic Teague and Lavinia are both in my sideboard, and they both kind of serve the same purpose. Playing Gaddic Teague and not playing Korg feels great. That was my one problem I, playing I Gaddic Teague before, was I just I can't play Korg. I understand that. Like, Gaddic Teague, um, that card's really sweet. Yeah. That's a card that I've, I've always been really impressed with in Modern and various decks that I've played it in. Um, um, what else? Let's see. If I was to register a Modern deck right now, what would it be? Probably something like Death Shadow. Death Shadow seems really well well positioned right now. Um, maybe some maybe some Arclight Phoenix deck. Um, might just fall back on Storm. Storm's really great. Not so much here lately. I haven't heard much from it. Uh, well, Caleb just 5-0'd a league this afternoon on Storm, so. Of course he did, man. Uh, news at 11. Storm guy does Storm things. <laughs> he, he 0-3'd yesterday in between, in between, uh, Legacy Challenge rounds. And then just like five o today, so who knows where Storm? Um, <laughs> if I wasn't playing Pod, I'd be all over Dredge right now. Dredge is very popular right now. Um, True. It's just a real good graveyard strategy. People are. You know what makes Dredge even better? What? The London Mulligan rule. God, don't even get me started on that nonsense. I think this is the most ridiculous thing they've it done is in a while. So dumb. They've already that's, done that's this. That's coming before. from the guy who literally ranted last week for 20 minutes about why Nexus of Fate is fine and people are stupid. This, I, this is coming from the person who loves to play Dredge. This rule is. The London Mulligan rule is dumb. They've already tried this before and it proved out that it was too strong to put to implement. What makes you think four years later is going to be a good idea? Oh, I, I did not know they tried this before. Yeah, this was already a thing they tried to do. Like. This this was tried back in 2015 and it just it wasn't it didn't take off because it was deemed too powerful. It was too game I, I think it's fine for like standard and limited, but like, I don't think you can go about having multiple Mulligan rules in place for different formats. Exactly. Like, imagine how insane this would be in vintage. Like, Dredge always has their bizarre now. Pitch dredge was the big thing. I think someone was on the numbers, and it's like, it's all all the percents are ninety nine percent or higher. To hit I'm not surprised part, to hit something to where they could find a bazaar. And like, it's so dumb. Imagine, and like, how much better does serum powder get now that you always have seven cards? Serum powder gets great. Um, having playing how does serum powder work with that? So, I gotta double check my wording here. You just redo the mulligan, right? Like, you you still draw your seven, but you still have to put the X cards on bottom? Let me double check the wording here. Anytime you can mulligan and serum powders in your hand, you may exile all the cards from your hand and then draw that many cards. So it's a replacement effect? Yeah. 
two mulliganing. Yes. So you always have seven cards now. Yes. So it gets around putting cards on bottom? So it's it's a trade-off because whatever cards you pitched with serum powder, you will never see again. True. So pitching... So the way it worked it works now is you pitch seven, then you pitch six, then you pitch five, depending on how many mulligans you've done, and you could just keep pitching with serum powders if you keep hitting them. So it's like you went go if you mulligan and have no serum powder, go to six, no serum powder, go to five, and you find one, and you don't like that five cards, and you pitch it with serum powder, you'll be stuck at five. Now, mm-hmm. if you mulligan, because you will always look at seven cards every time. And then so to Serum re- Powder always draws you to seven. Serum Powder will always be at seven. Weird. Because you won't resolve that. You you won't to resolve the mulligan and to start the game. The way the ruling works is you would look at seven and say you're. This is the second time you've mulliganed. You would take two from your hand and put them on the bottom. Well, if Serum Powder's in your hand and in this hand's not keepable, you could you pitch those seven. Because you have seven cards in hand. So then, do you still have to put the two on bottom though? No, no, no. If you just you just draw hand. another seven, and then and then you resolve the mulligan. Okay, okay. That's what I was asking. That's the part I was confused by. It's how normal mulliganing works, because you can you can serum powder, and then you get to go to you can mulligan that hand if you want to. Gotcha. But it's still the fact that you get to look at extra cards for every serum powder. Pitch dredge is insane. Pitch dredge is insane. And imagine, like, Workshop always having Workshop on turn one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's insane. Like, Vintage just goes nuts with the London Mulligan rule. Yeah, I I think... I really hope that, like... They are for sure trying this for London, correct? Yep, London is a... Modern... Modern... Mythic Championship. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure it's just gonna, like, show that this rule is not good. At least they picked modern to show that it's busted. Whereas if they probably picked standard, it probably would have been fine and it probably would have been implemented. Yeah, people were like, oh, this is fine. Whereas if they show it with modern, people are like, mm, Not hold so on much. now. We should, we should consider this a little more. Exactly. Um, have we done the top ten yet? Oh, we have not. Um, so like we have done the last several weeks um upcoming we're in the last week of the uh the season aren't we season ends friday yeah all rankings are final thursday at noon pacific time okay so um as of now the the top 10 players on ranked for uh arena we have number one mog Number two, La Creatura BB. I am so sorry about these names. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to butcher names for the foreseeable future, and I am sorry. Uh, number three, we have Watch Me Win. Four is Diza or Diza, Diza. I don't know. How? Five is Vorg Seven. Six is Nico. Seven is. Ed MV Envirius Again, I don't know, man. Um uh, eight we have Drosalis. Nine we have Kevin's Place. 
and I have literal no idea how to pronounce tenth place. Uh, <laughs> that that would be an additional. It's it's Zachary King. That's just his Who? first. It's Zachary Kine. It's his first initial, and then his last name. <laughs> I don't think I know who this person is. Uh, Kine, it, Keen or Kine, however he pronounces it. I think he's a tour grinder. He's an open grinder. Zachary Keen, I think is who it is. Oh, I found him on Twitter. Green White Tokens Master, Storm Aficionado, Comp Sci, and Econ Major at UMass. Huh. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Any names we know going through here? Um, so scrolling through, the first one that comes to mind is uh, down at 41 is Spanky. Hey. Uh, shout out shout out to Spanky. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Hopefully you can uh I would I would love to see Spanky in the top eight. That would be I awesome. I would love to watch him just grind up there. That'd be great. Um let's see. Sewing in ACL at 42. Who else do we know? Um Agent Avenger at uh, 65. He was doing Peach so Cobbler well. at 74. I do like some Peach Cobbler. <laughs> Stan Sifka's at 78. Um, Zan Saeed is 86 right now. All the way at 97 is Alexander Hain. Yeah, but he doesn't really have to worry I mean, too much. true. But when, when you go from the top 10 two weeks in a row to 97, that's... That's quite the drop. He probably just wanted to hit Mythic, and it just he just grinded his way up in the top ten, and now that he's and he just Mythic, happened to be there, he yeah. doesn't care now, and now he's just kind of just playing, probably playing for testing purposes now more than yep. playing to be top eight. But you got three days, two days, three days, three days, less than three days. I can I can hit it. I'm not gonna try. No, no, no. Not not even gonna come close. Uh, I'm currently gold two, and I'm probably going to end the season there. I think I'm gold three, and I haven't played Arena in like a week and a half. <laughs> that shows my dedication on Arena. Um, that being says, that being said, next season we start the the grind towards Arena Mythic Championships. Yeah. Um, with the the Mythic or the Arena qualifiers for the top thousand on arena um so i i might actually try for that like devote as much time as i possibly can to grinding to top 1000 top 1000 like, is much easier that's much more doable than top 10 yeah. or top eight you know so i might try for it and see how it goes and if i realize i'm spending way too much time playing playing arena then i'll back off yeah there's no such thing as too much arena. I mean, there can be. We just True. we just don't play enough to find that out yet. True. Um. um so the mythic invitational is thirty-one days away. Um. Yep. Man, I don't know what I would do if I like. That's a lot of money to win. Two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to first place. Yep. 
a lot. Yes, it is. I could buy me a house. You could buy you and me a house, man. It could buy you, me, and like two other people know we ha- we know a house probably, depending on how much we want to spend. That's insane. Okay. I think that's it. I think that's gonna be it for today. Got nothing else? Uh, nope. I think that's it. Okay, so I know um, plant token is confirmed to be our first token. Um, Dewey is currently working on art for that for us. Um, he did send us a a sweet sweet sketch, and I really liked it. Um, we're not we're not gonna reveal that or anything yet, but not quite yet. Um, be on the lookout for that. Hopefully, we can have those by Cincy. Uh, we're probably kind of pushing it at this point, but we can figure it out. We got plenty of time. We got a little bit of time still. We're not leaving quite yet. We're getting ready to leave quite yet, so we got some time still. So yeah, I think that's going to do it for us for uh, episode 9 of the Attack for Zero podcast. Uh, once again, my name is Carter Noble, joined by Carl Wilkin, as always. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CarterNoble25. You can find him at musical underscore 33. Uh, you can find the podcast at Attack for Zero podcast. Uh, Attack for Zero uh, email is going to be down in the show notes as always, as well as the uh, the articles we we talked about today. Um, that is going to do it for us, everybody. Have a fantastic week. Peace. <laughs>